Now, you may not believe this, but I can predict the future. How many of y'all believe me? None of you. Yeah, that one went over like a lead balloon. If you have a cell phone, I want you to take out that cell phone. I want you to hold it up. Who's got a cell phone? I know you have that cell phone on silent, don't you? I'm putting mine on silent because I know people on my staff will call me right now just to make a point. Now, if you have a cell phone, I can predict your future with amazing accuracy. All I have to do, now I have a little flip phone. How many of you got, how many of you got just the cheapest whatever is the, comes with the plan? I'm too cheap to spend any money cell phone. Okay. That's, that's me. Well, actually mine's one step up because I wanted a flip phone because Y'all seen that commercial? Well, you seen the commercial where you butt call people? You sit down and you butt. Okay. I was doing that all the time, and so I have a flip phone now. How many of you have the uh, the uh, BlackBerry? And the BlackBerry people are very annoying about how good their Blackberries are. But there is a class that's higher than the BlackBerry. At least, at least they'll tell you so. You know what that is? The iPhone. How many of you have iPhones? We are middle class here at, at New Life. Actually, I know a couple of people, they're out today, they're out of town. I know at least two people that have the iPhone, and they'll tell you there's nothing better. Anyway, now, if you have a cell phone, I can predict your future with amazing accuracy. All I have to do, go to the phone book, scroll down through some of the names and numbers, and if I call some of those people, I look at your call list and I see who you've called most recently and who you call most often, I call them up, talk to them just a little bit. I can find out who the they are in your life, the people that you allow to influence your life. And I could, I could ask them some strategic questions. And, and I could find out about you from what they said. Yeah, there goes somebody right now. Steve Bryant. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, yeah, I, I got your name on here. He's calling me. It's vibrating. Good thing I turned it off. Now, I could find out about you from what they had to say. And more importantly, I can predict your future by what they say about you. Last week, we started our new series called Friends. And the whole idea that we started with was, what did they influence you to do? that you would not have done if they had not been around. But this week, I want to look at a little bit different word. I want to emphasize a different word in this deal. What would, uh, what did they influence you to do that you would not have done if they had not been around? They reflect you, and you reflect they. It's like we have these mirrors. If you want to know what you're really like, look at the people around you. I can look at the they in your life, you can look at the they in my life, and they will reflect what I'm really like. They will reflect what you are really like. Now, when God created us, God made us different. It's one of the things that we, we kind of talk about our church. We're different on purpose, and we like it that way. We don't want to be like everybody else. God made you different. God made you unique, and differences are a good thing. But if we compare ourselves to the wrong they we begin to blend in to the crowd. We lose all of our uniqueness if we compare ourselves to the right they and we're looking at the right they. It's possible that we can discover who we really are. Because if the right they are really the right they, 
They're going to point me to God. They're going to point you to God. Because if you want to discover your DNA, the reason you're on this planet, you've got to start with God. Now, you're, some of you were here a few weeks ago when we finished up our summer blockbuster series and we did the movie um, Expelled, No Intelligence allowed, allowed, Ben Stein's movie. And we said that science can answer some of the how questions, um, maybe even some of the when questions about the universe, how the universe began, maybe uh, when, kind of, I don't know, they're kind of iffy on that thing. But science was never designed to answer the who and the why. Who created the world? Why was the world created? The, the science can't answer those questions. And you have these two completely opposite, competing arguments about how the, the world began. You've got the evolutionists who say, we are just random chance. We, we started as mud and we ended up as us. And then you've got intelligent design people on the other side, creationists, who say, no, we're not an accident. We have a creator. We have a beginning. We have an agenda in this world, in this life. And it comes from our creator. And you've got to go back to the creator to understand that. Well, here's an example of the the why and who questions that the Bible has an answer for. And it's in Psalm chapter 8, verse 5. King David is writing this. Now, David is writing to God. This is a psalm to God. And he says, you, that's God. All right, David's talking, you, God, made them, who's them? People, human beings. He says, God, you made human beings a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but God created you and he crowned you with glory and honor. Why did God create us? Why did he make us just a little bit of a little bit lower than the angels? Because he wanted us to be reflections of Christ to others. The right day reflects Christ to others. But that's not what's happening many times, is it? We're distorting that image. So I want to know today, who are you? Are you the right they? Do you understand your identity? Because I talk to lots of people that are really confused about why they're even on the planet. I talk to lots of people that don't understand what direction they're going in life, and so they kind of drift. And they hope that if they keep drifting long enough, they'll discover the answers that they're looking for. You don't do that by drifting. You have one life, and God wants you to understand that you have significance, and you are unique, and there's some things that He created you to do that no one else can do. And I can look at the they in your life and and discover who you really are. I can tell by the day in your life whether you're fulfilling your God-given agenda or you're just on a dead-end road simply by looking at which they has the most sway in your life. A lot of people follow the crowd. They lose their identity. They become a clone. But, and this is a big but, it doesn't have to be that way. You can choose, I can choose to surround ourselves with the right they, and the right they will give us the ability to live above the fray and understand what this life is all about. Now, for years I've heard people talk about self-image. Everybody needs a healthy self-image, and the schools are trying to promote it, and churches are trying to promote it. Let me give you a definition of a healthy self-esteem, a healthy self-image. This is on your listening guide. Healthy self-esteem comes from seeing myself the way God sees me. Nothing more, nothing less. 
When I understand my creator has an agenda for me, he loves me, he created me, has an agenda for this life, when I recognize those facts, it gives me a completely different perspective about this world in which we live. It frees me from trying to be a people pleaser because you want to talk about a dead-end road, a never-ending job, trying to please people. Now, that's the primary definition. God created us and he wants us to get our primary props from him. But there's a sub-definition of a healthy self-esteem. And that includes surrounding myself with the right they. God is, first and foremost, the right they reflect Jesus back to me. And they encourage me to see my life the way God does. They point me to the ultimate right they, which is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They they point me there because they know I'm only going to find my true identity and my true agenda from them. So the right they encourage me to look vertically first for all the answers to life's questions. So it's very, very easy to spot the right they in your life. The right they points you to Jesus Christ. Now, this whole idea of the right they goes all the way back to the very first humans on the planet. Who were they? Adam and Eve. And what book of the Bible tells us all about Adam and Eve? Genesis. You remember what Genesis means? Beginning or origin. All right? So we get this idea of the right they and the wrong they starts all the way back in Genesis in the origin of the human species. Now, God created everything. If you read origin, if you read beginning, Genesis, you see that God created the earth, the universe, the plants, the sky, light, everything. And everything he creates, he says, is very good. Except one thing, if you've heard me do a wedding or if you've been around here when we've done a a marriage series, there was one thing in the Garden of Eden that was not good. And what was it? Adam was alone. And God said, this isn't good. And aren't you glad, guys? Aren't you glad that God said, we can't have a whole bunch of dudes on the planet by themselves? We, we gotta, we gotta, God says, we to the Trinity. He says, we got to create something that's better to look at. Something that's a little smarter relationally. Right? Okay. So God created Eve. Now, here's the deal. God created Adam first. And this whole vertical relationship was incredible. Face to face. Adam didn't have to wonder about the distant God. He, he saw him walking in the garden. But God didn't stop with the vertical. God created Eve to be the horizontal relationship. And Eve was the right they for a little while, right? And then they had a problem. See, they started out reflecting God to one another and they had this unbelievable relationship, the type of relationship God designed for a man and a woman. But then something happened. For the first time in recorded history, human beings stopped getting their props from God. And they looked for their security somewhere else, some other source other than God. And and they looked away from God to the wrong they to get their life's agenda. And when they looked to the wrong they, they sinned. Happens every time a human being looks to the wrong they. The next thing is, and they sinned. I don't care whose story you're talking about. If you find somebody that's looking to the wrong they, eventually the next phrase is going to be, and they sinned, and they went the wrong way, and they destroyed their lives, and they got involved in this, and they went to jail, and they sinned because they turned away from God. From that moment on, humans lost their secure status with God, which means they become insecure. 
And as human beings, we're running around all the time. From the moment we're born, we're trying to get somebody to help us feel secure about who we are. And parents, that's one of our jobs is to help our kids feel secure. But I want my kids to understand that they need to see themselves the way God sees them. Not the way humans see them, because that's bad stuff. That'll mess you up. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. And so we run around trying to get our significance from the wrong they. And the Bible describes this scenario in the book of Ephesians. Paul is the writer of Ephesians. He's writing to a group of Christians, very new church. And he says this, in the past, he's talking to Christians, in the past you were spiritually dead because of your sins and the things you did against God. He says, you're guilty. If we were to go before God and have this whole trial thing, you're guilty. In the past, you were dead. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around a dead person. A dead person doesn't need medicine to make them feel better. A dead person doesn't need a nicer pillow to prop up their head. A dead person needs to be made alive. And and the Bible is saying that because of our sins, we were dead in our sins. Look what it goes on to say. Yes, in the past, you lived the way the world lives. That's the wrong they. You live the way the world lives, following the ruler of the evil powers that are above the earth. What this is saying is there's more to this life than just the physical. There's more than the horizontal. There is a spiritual side of life that you can't always see. And there is an enemy who wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy the vertical. He wants to destroy the horizontal. How does he do that? By attacking you individually, attacking families, attacking relationships, attacking relationships in the church. So we can turn you away from church. Many of you have had that happen. You focused on the horizontal so much that you got upset with people and you didn't realize that there is a God and he's in control regardless of what happens with people. And he attacks us. And he says, now, that same spirit, which, by the way, lowercase s means the unholy spirit. There's a holy spirit that comes from God. There's an unholy spirit that comes from the enemy, Satan. The unholy spirit is now working in those. That's the wrong day. Who are the wrong day? Here it is who refuse to obey God. Bible says we're dead. We need to be made alive. Bible says there's a spirit of rebellion that comes from the unholy spirit. And that leads us to becoming the wrong they. Now, at this point in history, God could have just given up on the whole experiment and said, just let's destroy him. He could have started over. He could have just done without us completely. But he didn't. He devised this ingenious plan where you and I could be restored to our secure status with him. He sent Jesus Christ to live a sinless life. Sinless means he always listened to the right day. He always did what the right day said. Lived a sinless life. Died on a cross for, for our sins. People who didn't even like him. The Bible says while you were yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. But he didn't stay in the tomb. He was raised the third day, a victor over sin and the grave. You know, because you think about it, the the thing that, that most people fear the most is death. We don't know what's on the other side. So I've spent my life trying to figure out if this Jesus thing is true. And and nobody I've ever read has has been able to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lawyers have tried it. And they get to this resurrection thing and they find out that, that Jesus' followers said the tomb was empty. Jesus' enemies said the tomb was empty. The Romans, who didn't give a rip either way, said the tomb, everybody said the tomb was empty. You gotta explain that somehow. And many lawyers who sat out to try to disprove Christianity got to the resurrection said, must be true. I think I'll follow Christ. 
God gives you and me a choice whether we want to hang out with the wrong day or the right day. He gives us a choice to be adopted into his family and receive mercy and grace instead of the death and destruction in hell that we deserve. Now, if you hang with the wrong day, you'll get a distorted view of yourself. I have one of those little funhouse mirrors here. I don't know. You may have to come up later and look at it. How many of you have been to a funhouse? Uh, we have one of those things on, on my laptop. You know, it's a, it's a webcam, but it has this little computer program where you can really distort stuff. My girls love to play with it. They'll get in my chair and, and they'll turn on the webcam and there's weird things like you can put your head together and your heads will swirl together and your eyeballs will be all swirled in there and they'll laugh and they'll take pictures. There's other they can click on and like their head will go like this, be this inverted V shape, you know, and so the top of their heads are like go off the screen and then their chins are these little bitty points, you know, and their mouths just move. It's really funny. Now imagine if you grew up in a home where all the mirrors had been replaced with distorted funhouse mirrors. And no one ever told you any differently. When you grew up, what would you believe about how you looked? Tom got a funky. And then people say, oh, you look good. No, I don't. I'm an alien. Right? You would, you would have this distorted view of yourself because people had always, you had always seen reflected to you this one thing. You didn't know any better. It's what happens to us when we hang out with the wrong they. We get a distorted view of ourselves. We also get a distorted view of everyone else around us because they're reflecting back to us the wrong image. Now, in the, in the Old Testament, there's a book of the Bible called Numbers. By the way, don't ever say that God isn't interested in numbers because there's a book in the Bible called Numbers. And you know what they do in numbers? They count stuff. Um, but in this particular case, what's going on is the Israelites have left Egypt. If you know any about, anything about their history, the Israelites became slaves in Egypt. God delivers them through Moses, uh, the ten plagues. God supernaturally delivers them from the Egyptians. They go... Through the Red Sea, God kills all the Egyptian soldiers. They get the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. They come up to the edge of the Promised Land. They're at a place called Kadesh Barnea. And the people say to Moses, hey, here's an idea. Why don't you choose 12 spies to secretly go and, and, and spy out the land, do this little reconnaissance tour, and come back and tell us what's, what's going on? So Moses says, okay, and God was pleased and says, okay, choose 12 men. To go into the promised land. So 12 men, 12 spies, they sneak into the promised land. They're gone for 40 days. They come back. And here is the report that they gave. Here's what they said. Numbers 13, 27, and 28. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. That just means there are so many natural resources that we could live off the land the rest of our lives. Our children, generations could live off the land because it is fertile. It produces plenty of food. We can farm. We can do anything we need to. That's, that's what it means. The land flowing with milk and honey. And they even brought back a big old cluster of grapes so big that they had to carry it between two men on a stick. Here's some of the produce that was in this incredibly bountiful land. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw some giants there. The descendants of Andre the Giant. Some of you don't even know who he is. Sorry, that one was really bad. He used to be a wrestler. He's, he was in uh, Princess Bride. Hello. Okay. 
the descendants of Anak. So they're saying the cities are big, the people are bigger, and, and we're in trouble. Now, all of the spies agreed. All 12 spies agreed that this land was great. It's a beautiful land. Yep, people are big and bad. The cities are fortified. We're going to have to do a little hand-to-hand combat. We're going to have to go toe-to-toe. It's going to be a tough job. Everyone agreed to that. And here's something you need to understand. Anytime God brings you to something that he wants you to have, some land that he wants you to take, and that could be a physical land, it could be land turf he wants you to take in your marriage or in your in relationships, in parenting, it could be in your business. If God brings you to an opportunity and he wants you to go into that opportunity, God shows you that clearly, the right they are going to show up to support you, but the wrong they are also going to show up to oppose you. Happens every time. And and whenever we step out and we claim what God wants us to have in our marriage, our friends, around the office, God's kingdom, God wants us to take some stuff, the right thing, the wrong thing are going to be there. And it's so obvious. Right at this point in history, 10 of the 12 spies become the wrong thing. Look what happens in Numbers 13, 31, and 32. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. Now, we skipped one. We actually skipped two verses there. One of the verses talks about Caleb. All of these people say, oh, it's big, it's bad, we can't take it. Caleb stands up and he goes, sure we can. We need to go do it right now. And it says, but the others, uh, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. Well, let's look at the wrong they and the right they. The wrong they are always negative. They always see the glass half empty. You have somebody that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how much confirmation you have from God, they're going to poke a hole in in your bubble. They're going to burst your bubble. It may be a relative who goes, I don't know why you're thinking about that. That's just stupid. Why are you doing this? What's What's wrong with you? I I got to tell you, I don't have time to hang out with the wrong they. Life's too short. We become one of them if we hang out with them too long and we never discover our uniqueness. We never take the land that God wants us to take because we're around negative people, the wrong they. The wrong they continue in in chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Then the whole community, now think of this. God has brought them through the Red Sea. You're trapped. Romans on their chariots, going to kill you. You're trapped. Red Sea, dry ground, you walk through. Turn around, here comes the uh, the Egyptians. They're floating, they're dead men. They're doing a dead man's float. You see it. Then you get hungry. God provides meat for you at night. You're thirsty. God says to Moses, speak to that rock. Moses speaks to the rock. Water comes out. Holy cow. This God is big and bad. Look what these people say. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Why? Well, the wrong they are are negative, but they're also their negativity is contagious. Negativity ought to be on the CDC list of infectious diseases. It is so much worse than swine flu. And it will destroy you. Negativity. It will destroy churches. 
the wrong they began to spread and grumble all this junk about what God wanted them to do. And now the whole mission is, is the nation's like, I can't believe this. And so then the next one you see there, the wrong they are why people. They're whiners. Why go to church? Why waste your time on a Sunday morning? Why give to the church? Why serve? Why keep your virginity? Why get married? Why give money to the church? Why, 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 why? Now, I'm not saying that why questions are wrong, because we need to ask some why questions. But this is the first one of the right they. The right they are why not people. Why not Because what I see is people destroying their lives. What I see is people who claim to be different, claim to be individuals, looking like everybody else that's out there. You go to a bar, do you notice anybody different? They all look drunk to me. I'm an individual. No. You look like everybody else. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. If you want to be an individual, try living for Christ. You want to be different? Try living for Christ. And, and see, I want people around me that say, why not? Cause if I'm, if I'm not careful, I can get over on that side and go, oh, I don't know about this. It's kind of scary. I don't know. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I was at the top of a mountain years ago with one of my best friends. We decided to do the first ever time we decided to do a double black diamond. We weren't very good. We're standing, because riding up the ski lift, it doesn't look so bad. Oh, a few bumps. Get to the top of the ski lift and you get over there, and when you stick your toes off the edge and you can't see the bottom, I mean, it's so steep, you're going, where is it? We start going, oh, no. But there was no way to walk back up. So we're like, okay, why not? Oh, man, we busted and fell, but actually had a good time. Had lots of good stories to tell. But here's what, here's what I'm trying to get at. God is going to call you to do things that are so big you can't do them yourself. If you could do them yourself, God doesn't get any glory. You see, we, we can pay off this building in 15 years. That's, that's not going to be hard at all. And we will get the glory. I don't believe God wants us to pay off the building in 15 years. I think God wants us to pay off the building in five years or maybe three years. Because then everybody's going to go around, how'd you do that? We didn't, God did. Why not pay off the building? Why not serve? Why not keep your virginity until you get married? Because everybody else is doing it the other way, and I'm dealing with lots of people whose marriages are dying because they've done it the way everybody else has done it. Why not be different? At least give it a try. What have you got to lose? Now, the second thing about the right day is they're always in the minority. Oh, I, I need to go back and I skipped a verse here because this is real, real important. Numbers 14, 3 through 4. Our wives, they never shut up the, the, the wrong day. Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Moses and Aaron are the right day chosen by God, the Creator. No, 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 let's not follow them. Let's go, let's choose our own leader. Let's go back to Egypt where we're in slavery, where they beat us. Where we gotta make bricks. We gotta gather straw and mud so we can make, let's go back to that. Here's something that, that I realized a few years ago in church work. 
almost every time they had a vote in the Bible, the majority was wrong. I mean, if you look at, at the, the numbers here, there were 10 spies who said, oh, we can't go in. There were two spies who said we could. So you got a five to one ratio. That's pretty strong against doing what the, the two said. But then it go back to the nation and, and the Bible tells us there were about a million men. Now, women and children couldn't vote. Sorry, ladies, just the way it was. So a million men, they turn every, and, and a million men, a million to four. Moses, Aaron, Joshua and Caleb, 250,000 to one. Those are odds. Surely they're right. Almost every time I've been a part of a vote in churches, almost every time the vote's been wrong. The majority's been wrong. You study world history. Most of the time, the majority's wrong. And this is what people don't understand about Christianity. You read the Bible. I challenge you to do this. First of all, find in Scripture when the majority was right. Come back and show me, because I've not found it yet. But the second thing is, God always works through a remnant. I don't know if you know that term. A remnant means there's a small group. They're Caleb and Joshua people. God always finds one or two or three. And He works through that remnant to bring about things so incredible that everybody goes, there must be a God. Read the book of Judges. Gideon had thousands and thousands of people. He was supposed to go deliver them. God said, no, you got too many. Weed them down. So God, God takes them down to like 300. And the army they went against was about 150,000 people. God delivered them. You think Gideon was, was the big bad dude? No, God was the big bad dude. The majority, or the, the, the right day is always going to be the minority at the office around the neighborhood, at the country club, the right day is always going to be a minority. Now, Joshua, Caleb, Moses, and Aaron, they're, they're the right day, and they're going to step up. Numbers 14, 7 through 9. They said to all the people, they, the right day, said to all the people, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land, and if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. You know what's mentioned three times there? The Lord. The right they talk about the Lord. If you go back and you look at the wrong they, never once do they mention God. Never once do they say, you need to pay attention to the Lord. Never once do they reflect the creator of the universe to anyone. But the right they always do. The right they are actually going to say, yep, they're big, they're bad, yep, it's, it's going to be tough. But our God is bigger. Our God is badder. He's tougher. I don't care if there's giants there. God can take them. And we're supposed to do what God wants us to do. So I want to know today, who are you? I'm not playing with you today. Who are you? Are you the right day? Do you have the right day in your life? I want you to think about your cell phone and I want you to scroll through those numbers. And I want you to ask yourself... Is this person the right they in my life? Or are they the wrong they? Now, I'm not at all trying to diss the wrong they. I know a lot of the wrong they, people in the wrong they crowd. I hang out with them in areas that will not compromise my life. In areas where I'm strong enough that I know that they're not going to compromise what I'm, what I'm about. And I love them and I pray for them. But the wrong they cannot be the primary they in my life. 
if I'm going to experience what God has for me, and if new life is going to experience what God has for new life. So here's some questions. You see, the right day point me to God. That's the vertical. And the right, and, and, and they, they reflect back to me God. So you got this little ecosystem going on where, where I'm the right day in someone's life and I point them to God. And when I'm struggling, they point me to God. That's, that's the vertical, but we've also got the horizontal. It kind of looks like a cross, doesn't it? The symbol of the Christian life. The right they need to be your horizontal. God gives you the, your primary props. When you come to God and He is number one in your life, you have peace in the middle of a storm. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody who's going through something really difficult and they are like a rock and nothing can shake them. It's because they are in the presence of God and they see themselves the way God sees them. You see someone who's really messed up about their life, they're not really seeing God clearly. And they probably don't have the right they around them to encourage them. So here's the questions I want you to ask. Do the they in my life cause me to love God more or less? And by the way, turn your registration cards over because we're going to answer this. You don't get to just sit there. You answer more or less on each of these. If you need to put down one, two, three, four, and five, you do that and then put more or less. So the, the, the they in your life, if we're to go through your cell phone, the they on your cell phone, do they encourage you to love God more or less? That's not kinda, that's not sometimes, yes or no, more or less, they encourage me to love God, more or less. Question number two, do the they in my life cause me to love His church more or less? And by the way, the other churches in our town are not our enemy. Don't come to me bad-mouthing some other church. I don't give a rip what your experience was in that other church. That's not even relevant to me. What's relevant to me is, are you following Christ? Because we're all on the same team. Sure, they may do things a little differently than we do. God, I hope so. I don't want to be like every other church. If If every church is doing the same thing, most of us are not necessary because we're trying to reach different people. And if you don't like our music, go somewhere else. Don't whine and complain about the music. I'm going deaf. I can't hear it anymore anyway. I'm serious. There's stuff that's happening in my life just showing me how old I am and Last night I was at Wes's house, we were watching TV, and I'm like, dude, can you hear that? He's like, no. I said, okay, good, because I thought I was just way deaf. He said, no, I can't hear it either. So we sat there and watched TV when you couldn't hear it. So don't, I don't care, and I, hear me now. If somebody is preaching God's Word, they're on my team. If somebody's gathering in a church to worship God, they're on my team. They're part of my family. I know a lot of the pastors in this town, and they are good men. I don't know them all. But if you come to me and you tell me something bad about one of them, I'm going to try to find something good to say about them. So, so don't even try, okay? That's being the wrong day. Number three, do the they in my life cause me to have pure relationships, more or less? And let me define pure relationships for you. No sex outside of marriage. 
Gave my daughter a purity ring on her 12th birthday. And I said, sweetheart, this is a gift. Your purity is a gift that you give to your husband on your wedding night. That's my expectation. Because God created us. Male and female. And, and that is a gift that God wants you to unwrap on your wedding night. It's a good gift. Most people are trying it the wrong way. Why not try it the right way? Do, do my friends, these pure relationships, the things I watch on TV, the stories we tell, the movies we go to, the things that the, they and your life are doing, are they causing you to put positive things, images in your mind, more or less? Number four, do the right thing in my life applaud my uniqueness more or less? Here's what I mean. Do the, do the they in your life, are they saying, dude, I see God doing some great things in you. I see your abilities that God has given you. I don't know how many times I've told Wes that God has gifted him. I was a church music major in college. I did all the same classes that Wes did in college. I can't play the instruments that Wes plays. Because God has gifted him in a way that's so far beyond. And, and I was a dean's list church music major. <laughs> I did well in all my theory classes and all that stuff. But I've watched, it is unbelievable what God does in him. He, it is a gift of God. He is unique. And anybody that tries to pull him away from his God-given abilities ought to be kicked in the butt. Because God designed him in a certain way. God designed you in a certain way and he put people around you. And are those people pointing out how special you are in God's kingdom? More or less. That's what I mean by that. Number five. Do the day in my life fire up those greed engines and envy engines in me more or less? Do they encourage you to get the latest stuff? Do you want... You're going to see in a couple of weeks, we... we uh we did a video at the at the motorcycle shop, and you're going to see that in a couple of weeks. And holy cow, there's some nice bikes at the motorcycle shop. And all of us came back, and all of our wives are going, don't even think about it. No. But are they encouraging you? To try to keep up with everybody else because you gotta wear this type of clothes, because you gotta go this place, because you gotta drive this kind of car, because you gotta... I don't care what I drive. Some of you are going, I know that's right, baby, I've seen it. I don't care what you drive. And I've told you this before, but I'm gonna... The only people that care what you drive are you and really shallow people who suck. Spoken from the man who has the car that we, the truck we always put in videos when we need a trashy white truck. <laughs> and then I want to borrow it and he's like, you can't make fun of my truck all the time and then want to borrow my truck. So. But see, do you understand where I'm coming from? This is vital because God has a part for you to play and you're only going to play that part if you have the right they in your life. They reflect you, you reflect they. What did they influence you to do that you would not have done if they had not been around? Surround yourself with the right they. They'll keep you above the fray. 
because it's the only way.